I'm Tanner Scott, and you are listening to Secrets to Scale. If you want to scale your business, you've come to the right place because this podcast is all centered around hearing successful stories from successful people and uncovering their secrets to scaling their businesses. This week on the show, Donna Griffith joins me to discuss the five biggest mistakes that founders make when they're raising capital for their startup. If you're currently raising capital or you plan to, this is the episode for you. Welcome to the show, Donna. I'm really excited to have you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm a corporate storyteller. Yes, that's a real thing. Uh, Sometimes people aren't sure. Basically, it means that I'm helping people kind of take the power of storytelling, which is an age-old art, and transfer it into their business goals, whether we're talking about startups raising funding, companies trying to sell their product, uh, people writing great website copy. Um, Storytelling is really the key to captivating audiences and moving them to action. Yeah, and I'd have to agree with that. And, you know, speaking of storytelling, what's your story? How'd you get started in this? Oh boy, how long do we have? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so it's kind of my my life has been a series of of uh you know how you get these aha moments that if you just happen to be lucky enough to have raised your eyes from your phone or from the car, from wherever you're driving on the highway of life. Um, and I've just had the it's really great guidance to, 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 to kind of forge my way. I always have been an actress and something in me knew that that was not enough. So I was looking for a profession that would capture my love of acting and also my love of working with people. And I found out about drama therapy, which I got my master's in at NYU. I kind of found out about it when I was 16. And that was what drove me through to to getting my master's. And then when I was there, I realized, well, what they're paying drama therapists is about the same as a starving artist. So I didn't give up acting for that. And I was like, okay, what's the next level? And uh, I kind of serendipitously found out about you know, corporate training and giving workshops. And I'm like, wow, that combines the best of all worlds. Oh, I totally want to do that. And so I started exploring courses that I had done my master's in NYU. So I did some courses there on training and organizational development. Saw the first job offering I saw for a corporate trainer on Craigslist of all places, uh, sent in my resume and was hired by an amazing firm called Boyer Communications Group out of NYC and started traveling the globe, working with executives and big uh, companies, helping them create and deliver powerful messages that drove to business results. And then there was another twist (laughs) and that's working with startups Uh, because back in 2008 with the last big crisis, which was probably much bigger than we're looking at now financially, um, 
but uh, everything was kind of crumbling. And the first thing that gets canceled are workshops, anything that's not vital, anything that's not critical, which apparently selling your products and knowing how to explain to people the value of what you bring is not considered vital, but that's you know a topic for another day. Uh, so it was one of those like, okay, what do I do now moments? And I was fortunate enough to be introduced to a cardiothoracic surgeon who needed help with his speeches his professional speeches. And lo and behold, he had two amazing medical devices that he had invented. And he said, can you help me with the investor decks for those? I'd never worked with a startup at that point, but I was like, you know, a story's a story. Why not? I, I created two decks for a competition or sort of an angel conference he had been invited to speak at. I spoke on his behalf. And when I saw the other companies speak, I knew startups need me. Oh my gosh, this is so terrible. <laughs> so, um, you know, everybody's like, yeah, startups are not going to pay you. I was like, okay, thank you for that advice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are so helpful. Uh, and, and I just started forging my way, offering my services as, you know, for mentions and for sponsorship and little by little built my reputation. And here we are nearly 20 years later. And, and I've worked with over a thousand VCs and startups and accelerators and companies like Facebook and Google all over the world in pretty much any industry you can begin to imagine. And then some that would probably give you some, a lot to think about at night before you're falling. <laughs> so, so that's, that's a really great story. And obviously whoever told you that startups weren't going to pay for that was dead wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, I, th I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's been my uh, career ever since. And, and I love it. It's like every day I get to work with a new company that that makes my jaw drop and, and makes me just marvel at the world and, and how creative people can be in, in areas that are obvious and in areas. Wow. Why didn't anybody think of that yet? Yeah, I would argue that messaging and storytelling is probably the biggest need for any startup out there. I think that's what they all struggle with the most. It's quite possible because it's not a core competency. It's not, you know, to being a great entrepreneur, a great founder, it doesn't mean you're a great speaker or a great succinct storyteller. And I mean, I've had clients that were colleagues in marketing before they became a founder of a startup and they like call me up really embarrassed. They're like, you know, I don't know what to do. I used to do this for my clients all the time. And now I'm stuck. I feel so stupid. You know, what's going on? I'm like, it's okay. It's the curse of the founder. It's, it's not being able to tell it simply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, founders definitely have the tendency to overcomplicate everything when they're trying to talk about their product or their service. And as a founder, it's really hard to not explain it that way because you understand it so deeply, right? And mm -hmm. coming up with messaging that the outside world can understand and identify that messaging with a problem that they have is something that's really tough to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think they know that they're solving a problem and they know how they're solving it, but we're, you know, we're about to talk about the, the top mistakes founders make and this can segue us nicely into one. And this is the overtelling. And this is where a lot of startups, they're like, okay, I'm not quite sure how to tell it. So I'll just throw everything on there. I was working with a team yesterday and I got their slide deck and each slide had, I kid you not, about 80 bullet points in an eight point font. 
And I look at that and I kind of take a breath and um, I, I wrote and, and I said, listen, um, before our session, I'm really going to need you to pare this down a bit because it's just like, oh, no, we just wanted you to have all the information possible. And I'm like, good Lord, I, 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 you know, what do I even do? Like, even I have my limitations. I have like this filter that, that filters out all the, the noise and, and extracts the story in my brain. I don't know. I guess it's AI related or, or whatever. But, but when I see that, I mean, even I have my limits. It's just like, how do I begin to sift through that? And why would I? So you need to do the sifting. Do not overtell. Do not just throw mountains of information at them thinking, well, they'll get something that something will stick. Yeah, let's just throw a whole pot of pasta on the wall and see what sticks. What are you going to end up with a soggy mess afterwards? Don't do that. So what should you be doing? Having clear, consistent messaging that it has a very clear structure. And that's the structure of storytelling. And you can find some great resources on my website on DonnaGriffith.com under resources. I have guides that will, it's like a do-it-yourself guide to what step-by-step how to put together your, what should be on an investor deck and everything else, either take it out or put it in backup, which nobody really looks at, but it's there just in case they do. Yeah. I mean, so many people overload information. It's actually insane, but what they don't realize is that humans are naturally lazy and they don't want to read. And that's because that's because our brains are wired that way to conserve energy. Yes. Yes. And they're wired to take in information in certain ways. And that's why storytelling is so powerful because there's a very specific formula to writing a good story that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. I mean, go back to Greece, go back to, to the bard, go back to all of the greats. They write in acts, they write in chunks and even movie scripts have that same structure. And people are used to it. And that's how they take in information and remember. So I had another pretty good deck that I looked at yesterday, but it was just jumping all around. And I'm like, you know, just fix the flow on that. And it'll be so much more effective. Help people organize the information in their poor, overworked brains, our lazy brains, as you said. So, so, what, so what's mistake number two? Okay, so mistake number two, and that kind of piggybacks on the last one, is getting too technical. Um, most VCs or, or investors are super smart, really brilliant, know a lot about a lot. They could probably explain your product to you in a way that you'd never look at. However, they don't really care in a first meeting how it works. They care that it works. Like you need to show them there is a strong technology there, but if they want to move forward with you in due diligence, they'll be picking the technology apart. At this point, going into the, every little bit and bite is just going to be to your detriment. Focus more on the, okay, why is it needed? What are you doing? And kind of how does it work in terms of the user journey? How are they going to be using it? So whether it's a business that's buying from you or an end user, a consumer, and how will it make their lives that much better, that much faster, that much more affordable, that much what have you, uh, that's what you should be focusing on. Right. I mean, we should be focusing on the customer transformation, right? Uh, our, our end users for, you know, SaaS products, they don't care about how it works. They only care how it benefits them. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. How it benefits them or how it benefits the the, the audience that will be buying from you. You want to show that you truly know your audience and that you found a pain point that's so acute and a solution that's so novel and innovative that they're going to be willing to pay for it and stop using whatever it is that they're using today. So, so what's number three? Okay. So number three is, uh, well, again, we're going to have two that kind of communicate with each other. So the first one is faking numbers. So vanity metrics. Don't do that. Don't say, you know, don't pump up your numbers. Don't say things like, oh yeah, well, we're already in negotiations. We have three term sheets on the table. You know, people ask around, people check you out. If you are caught on any kind of lie, even the smallest one, your credibility is shot. And not only for them, but word gets around. They talk to each other. I've, I've sat in, you know, I've kind of been a fly on a wall in conversations between investors and hear them share information. I mean, they're like gossip girl there. So, so you don't want your name getting out in a negative way. And uh, so you're better off just showing the numbers as they are and just, but really showing the big ones, which leads to the fourth big mistake, which is not bragging enough. I've sat through like when you actually really do have great numbers. So I've sat through presentations where uh, like slide 17, the founders will get to like, they have 50,000 downloads a a week and then like 100K ARR and they just signed a big contract with a big partner. And the investors look so perplexed. Like, why did you wait until now to tell us that? <laughs> like, seriously. So if you've got good news, you've got great metrics, you've got growth, you've got revenues, you've got partnerships, you've got money coming in, what uh, engagement, stickiness, don't wait to deliver that. Put what I call the brag slide. Don't call it a brag slide yourself. That might not come over that well. But it's like the six or eight big numbers that you, you know, you put on your IP, your, your growth, your pipeline value, um, big partnerships that own a chunk of the market that are really going to get you in there. Anything that really shows off, because even though they don't know what you're doing quite yet at the beginning, it's going to make them perk up and listen, their ears open widely. Yeah. It'll, it'll spark their interest and they're more likely to actually listen to the rest of it. So Donna, at what point in the pitch deck would you put that brag slide? So if you are in round A and beyond, or if you're in a seed round, but you have phenomenal numbers at the very beginning, like your title slide, hi, we're so-and-so, we we do such and such and put your vision statement up there, like your bigger vision of what you're going to do. And then bam, second slide. And I'd love to share some of our exciting milestones and then share those. That's great advice. So, so there's just, just keep in mind, there's three things that investors will consistently be asking for, look, listening for, and that's credibility, likability, and momentum. Okay. So you want to prove you really know your stuff. You have a team that knows your stuff. You know, your field, that's the credibility. The momentum piece is how far you've gotten and the numbers really show that off. And the likability is that you're a person that's going to be pleasant for them to work with through thick and thin, better for worse, sickness and in health, which I mean, unfortunately, the past year and a half has put a lot of companies to the test. Yeah. yeah Both I with each imagine. other, among themselves and with their investors. And you want to know that when the chips are down, you've got a workable, coachable team. 
Yeah. And, and I would imagine that might be one of the most important things that an investor looks for because, you know, they're going to spend a lot of time together. And, you know, as an investor, you don't want to be butting heads with no. the companies you invest in because that's going to create huge problems and everyone needs to be on the same page. No. And that's the perfect segue to my number five biggest mistake, which is probably the most embarrassing mistake. And that's arguing with an mm. investor. Sometimes they will ask annoyingly pointed or controversial questions just to see how you respond. The worst thing you can possibly do is argue with them or they'll throw out some like fact that even if they know it's it's not real or even if it is what they think and it puts you on the defensive. I've seen founders start to argue and it just doesn't go over well. And the same thing about negative or uh, attitudes or speaking ill of com competition. There, this is really putting you through a personality test in a way, these, these pitches. It's a high pressure situation and it's almost like a little bit of a psychology analysis there. And if you're speaking ill of other companies, which who knows if they were involved with in the past and do your homework and make sure you know if, if they're invested in a competitor of yours, you definitely don't want to be meeting them, period. But you never know at some point in the game if they had seen or been an advisor or something. So A, they're going to think, oh, wow, if they're talking trash about them, I wonder what they're going to say about me behind my back. And also, like especially in Silicon Valley, bad attitudes are a big, big, big no-go. Everything here is awesome, amazing, fantastic, fabulous, totally cool. We're totally going to do this. Now you might never hear from them again, but they didn't say no <laughs> because <laughs> they don't want to give you the hard no, because that leaves the door open slightly for a potential yes. One of these days, you know, it might just happen. Maybe they'll get an update email from you. That's so exciting and so thrilling that they're like, Hey, how are you? Long time? No speak, buddy. How's it going? And then you don't want to be like, Oh, now you call. No, don't do that. Don't be petty. <laughs> You're like, yeah, great to hear from you. Would love to catch up. Things are going amazing. And then, you know, you may, they've left the door open. So, yeah, I mean, take take any opportunity that's thrown your way, right? Um, yeah, it, yeah. and don't spend your money just on a great, amazing, fabulous, we're going to totally do this. <laughs> wait till the money's in the bank. It, it seems to me, you know, I don't have a ton of, ex I don't have any experience in raising capital by any means, but it seems to me like these investors are, you know, they've got really big egos and you kind of have to kind of stroke their ego a little bit. Um, I wouldn't do it in a way that's obvious. I wouldn't do be like a kiss upper because they can see right through that. You want to be authentic. You know, I, I that's it's something I use in, in networking. Like if I see someone that would be interesting to talk to, I'll look them up. Or if I know they're going to be at the event, I'll look them up, I'll read their blog, I'll learn some things about them. And then when I talk to them, I have something meaningful to talk to them about that's interesting to them, not in a kiss up way, but in a way that shows true interest and authenticity. So be careful not to cross that line. That's a good point. So Donna, what would you say your secrets to scale are? Secrets to scale. First of all, know your audience, build something that is going to be massively needed, wanted, and loved, you know, really build something that people fall in love with. There's a reason that people spend several hundred dollars every few months to buy a new Apple phone. And no, it's not because their old phone isn't working well enough. They're absolutely gaga and crazy over Apple products. It's, it's like this magic. So create magical products that people love, truly tap into a need. 
Um, another way to scale is to make sure you're working with the right team and that they're in it for the long haul and that you're aligned. Just like, you know, before you get married to someone, I, I remember my husband and I had conversations before he even proposed about what what would you, what would we do in this situation and certain things with kids and certain things with this. Now we were talking really far off, but it was very important to show that our values were aligned. And if you're going to be taking this journey with people, that's going to last a good five, eight, 10 years and beyond, you want to know that you're walking the path with the right people. Yeah, that's excellent advice. So, so Donna, do you, do you have maybe like a a bonus mistake that you could share with us? A bonus mistake. Um, Yeah, I would say don't take money at any price. Don't be in that place of desperation where, you know, don't get, try not to get to a position where you've got, you know, three months runway in the bank and you know, you have to raise because they can smell that desperation. Um, Come in from a place of confidence, but not cockiness. You know, you're looking for the right investor. You're looking for the right partner. You're not just looking for a check. You want someone who can really bring value and it's okay to say, this is not a good match. I just saw someone post on a startup group earlier today that uh, they had an, they're raising a small seed and they had an investor offer to come in and bring in a few other investors to close the round. And what he asked in return was to get more percentages of the company. And that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel kosher. That doesn't feel something that's accepted. And and they kind of posted it as an anonymous question. And I saw investors answering that question that this, that's a no-no. So it's a red flag. Listen to red flags in life and in with investors. You know, don't anything, something doesn't feel right. Trust that intuition and, and really, you know, it may be okay, it's gonna delay you another few weeks, another few months, but in the long run, it's for the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we definitely need to be trusting our gut, right? I can't tell you how many times I was talking to a prospective client and I saw red flags and still did it anyways, just for the revenue and every single time deeply regretted it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm now for me also with clients, like if something doesn't feel right, even in a screening call or an intro call, I'm not afraid to just say, you know what, I just don't think this is the right match. I wish you the best. It's better than getting into a situation where, you know, it's just not going to work. It's just not. And it's, it's okay. It's really okay. Yeah. And it's important to be able to hold your ground and say no to an opportunity, even though, that opportunity might save your business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not worth it in the long run if you're going to rue the day and you're going to end up putting in a lot of extra hours to try to make up for someone who's never really going to truly be happy with what you're doing anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's a recipe for disaster. That's for I can, sure. I, I can see in your eyes that like you're thinking of that. Oh, yes, been that in that situation. We all have anyone that's it's a consultant or in a service position. We've all been in that place where it's just like, why? Why did I ever meet this person? Why? Yeah, that's happened on a few occasions. So uh, sometimes you have to learn your lesson the hard way. Yes. Uh, and don't let that- it learn it. Don't repeat it. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make is you're going to make those mistakes. You're going to take on the wrong clients. You may take on a wrong investor, but you know, you, you've got to make those mistakes and learn from them and you'll come out stronger on the other side. Yep. 
Absolutely. So Donna, I really want to thank you for taking the time to do this interview with me today. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you think might benefit the audience? No, I, I think that's good. So um, anyone out there with a startup uh, or a growth company that <clears throat> is working on great messaging, please feel free to visit my website. There's lots of good stuff there. And if you are interested in engaging with me, there's a special discount for anyone that mentions Tanner's podcast. So please don't forget to mention you found me that way. Awesome. What's the website again? Donna Griffith, D-O-N-N-A-G-R-I-F as in Frank, F as in Frank, IT.com. No H on the end. There's, of course, a little story for the end. My my, uh, father-in-law is an artist and he studied in Florence at the Academia uh, and he he made up a last name to just change his last name to something more of art, artsy. So he did Griffith, but not knowing, you know, Andy Griffith or Melanie Griffith or whatever had the H. So people will either add the H on or make it a Griffin or make it a, <laughs> but you know what, then it's a nice little conversation piece. So again, there's a story to be found in everything and stories are what make you memorable. That's awesome. Thanks again, Donna. We'll make sure to link that up in the show notes. Thanks, Tanner. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to another episode of Seekers to Scale. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another episode. This episode is sponsored by Ranksy Digital Marketing. If you need any help at all growing your business online, we would love to help you. Just visit our website at ranksy.com. That's R-A-N-K-S-E-Y.com.